You know, I just want to tell you thank you so much um, for your kindness and love you've expressed to me and to my family over these past few weeks, uh, especially with my passing of my father and uh, notes and cards and just prayers have been incredible. And I really haven't had the opportunity. I was saying to someone that, you know, it feels like it's been a month since I've been away. And my father passed away on the 11th of October. And, and then there was um, a number of things that occurred besides his passing, then the funeral. And then I was in a conference in Dallas. And then I just came back from um, two and a half uh, this last week. And I spoke five times in two and a half days at this Osaka Bible Conference. So it's just been this blur of activity. And um, I am so grateful to... Uh, to first, I just want to say to our staff, um, who are just tremendous. I, I think of Phil, who spoke last Sunday, and Bruce, who was speaking in the adult classes, and many of you got to hear um, Bruce, and then George before that, and the work of, of um, Mike Murray and Mike Brinkman and Shelley and, and Dee, and I just go down a list. I'm, I'm going to miss someone, I know. But um, I do want to just share with you, I'm so grateful for them. I'm grateful for the way you have bathed me with love and, and our family with prayers. And I'm so honored. I'm so honored to be your pastor. And I am so grateful that I get to serve you with some incredible people. And we get to serve one another. And so I just, I wanted to start out by saying that. But also, I wanted to take a moment to thank you from a sister free church in Osaka, Japan, Grace Mission Church, who held this um, Osaka Bible Conference, and they brought in um, their pastors and people that came from northern Japan, uh, Japan, Tokyo area, also southern from Hiroshima. There were some pastors that actually flew in from Korea, and I had an opportunity to be a part of that and to share a bunch of messages. Wow. We okay? We'll see what happens. Um, and I had an opportunity to share a bunch of messages, and... Uh, I just don't have time to tell you how God's hand was at work in, in that time. And I know there are a number who are praying for that, but it was um, a powerful experience. And so they thank you for allowing me to be a part of their conference and you're serving another free church halfway around the world. So thank you for that. And then one last thing, I want to thank the Lord Jesus because I've been praying. I've been saying, God, you know, we're in this passage on the, this whole topic of the gospel and I really want to make this clear. What does it mean that the gospel was something that you proclaimed actually in the Old Testament and then proclaimed even as Jesus was living until the time of the death and you have, how do I do that? And God provided. Made it really, some things really clear to me and I'm excited about doing that. So I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to pray together. Having you stand just because I think you've been sitting too long. You might need to stretch. In fact, in one of my uh, conference, uh, I'm going to give this a little bit longer and I may just switch. Okay? Um, one, of, one of the things that um, I thought was very interesting at the conference, they actually had people do exercises. So, you know, I don't know if you need to do that. But let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your presence here. And I, I pray that you would fill us with an understanding of your word and what it means this, this, this whole thing as we, we speak about this word, the gospel, in these weeks to come and, and for what you've already shared with us. And God, pour out your spirit that we might be more loving people. We stand before you someday that we will be able to answer your question, did you become a more loving person? And we could say yes. So allow your love to fill us and to flow through us, to touch lives around us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks. You may be seated. <clears throat> So, 
Have you ever wanted something really, really badly and you've waited for a really, really long time for that something to occur and finally after years of wanting and waiting and, and actually wondering whether what you want and have waited for could ever happen and you had times throughout it where you go, it could happen, it might happen, and then it happens. Um, that. You knew I would get to this at some point um, in the service. I just didn't predict that you would go ahead and, uh, and play music for me. But you knew I, I needed to talk about the Cubs because I was praying about this and I thought, man, this is a perfect opportunity to share with you in a real sense what the proclamation of the gospel was. You see, the long wait for years of wanting a World Series has finally come to an end for me and so for, for many fans and generations. And you're going to, you know, this, this will tie in, so stay with me, okay? <laughs> because this is my, my story and the personal story of so many others. And my, you have to understand that this was bred into me when I was a little kid. My grandfather and grandmother lived blocks from Wrigley Field. So my dad grew up in the environment of Wrigley Field. He parked cars at his home. And, and when I was back at the funeral, I was talking to his brother, who was just a few years younger, and they were telling stories about <clears throat> all the stuff they did. And one of them was really interesting, um, because we've heard this from time to time. I just wanted to make sure he was accurate. So I asked my uncle, I said, so tell me a little bit about this story about the orange crates. And he said, yeah, oh yeah. I said, it was 1945 World Series. And we were kind of watching, you know, all the guys, people would come early in the morning, they would stand forever to get tickets. And so we finally had an idea after one day, we came and we thought, let's go to the grocery stores. Because in those days they had orange crates, and those orange crates, they would, um, they were like hard boxes. I mean, it was good wood, you know what I mean? You know how cars at one time had metal and now you don't know what it is? Well, these were actual boxes, and so they got about 20 or so of them, and they got them from different stores, and they had them all stacked up here, and these people, these um, people were lined up for hours on end, standing there waiting for the ticket thing to open, and they went with one box, and they said, one dollar, we'll sell this for one dollar for you to sit on, and, and then they went back, no one bid on that, and one guy comes over to him and says, you know what, how much are you selling those for? He goes, a dollar. He goes, oh, that's way too much. And so he went back to the line, and, and my, my dad and my, his brother and a couple other guys kind of huddled together and said, should we lower our prices? This is where I see the entrepreneurial mind of my brother and my dad. And they go, no. <laughs> About an hour later, that same guy comes over and goes, oh, I'll give you a dollar. Takes a box, his first one they sold, sits down, and he puts it against the wall, and he goes, ah. Oh. And he said four, five, six, seven, eight people started coming from everywhere and they sold them all. And that day they made a pretty good amount of money for little kids and they ended up giving it to charity. But anyway, that's just kind of the background of my, well, there's more than that. I would go to games with my grandfather and my father and I fell in love with the environs of that Wrigley Field with the, um, with the ivy and, and just being so close to the players and so... When I was in college, I would go to games, and in Wheaton College, we'd, you know, we could only afford the bleachers. And so we would sit in the bleachers, and I actually um, was able to, on the May 17th game back in 1979, <clears throat> <laughs> I saw the Cubs play the Phillies in the historic game where the Phillies beat them in the 10th inning, 23-22. to 22. It sounded like a football game. 
11 home runs, back and forth. It was just incredible. Anyway, I introduced my wife to these lovable losers, and then I raised my kids wanting to follow these lovable losers. And I, I, I was so bummed when I found out I was, you know, I, I agreed to speak in, in, in the Osaka Bible Conference. I didn't realize it was over the World Series. And, and what more, I didn't even, here's, this is kind of interesting how the Lord worked. I didn't know when my father would be passing, and I wanted to watch that series with him. And, and I was asking some, um, John Vauder, in fact, who was a former pastor, I said, you know, I had played golf with him in the, in, at a certain point later in the summer when I realized this was a concurring together. I said, what should I do? He says, you should definitely just cancel, not go there. <laughs> some of you know John. <laughs> And I just said, Lord, I'm, I just prayed. I said, God, I'm an, what do you want me to do? And I had this peace come over me not to do anything, which I just didn't know what to do through that time period, uh, but just not call them. I didn't even notify them that, you know, this, I just, I just prayed and had this peace. And then my father passed away, and it all worked out that I was able to go. And here's the coolest thing. The game is starting game one, and I'm on a flight over to Japan. I'm trying to get the apps to work on my computer. I can't get the game. I'm bummed. It's, there's Wi-Fi as we're going over the Alaska, and you make this bend over the ocean, and there's Wi-Fi. So I, I contact my daughter. I can't remember if it was email text, and I just said, you know, I can't do this. She goes, oh, not a problem. Let's FaceTime and now watch the game with you. So, I, you know, so you guys are saying, let's get to the Bible. We will. <clears throat> So we FaceTime, and, and I watch the game, and it so happens that I'm able to watch almost every game because in the morning, when I had a little bit of time, prior to speaking, I had that time available. I actually watched one time driving somewhere to these mountains. We were going to some place. I said, you know, I'd love to watch the Cub game. This was when they won game uh, seven or five, I think it was, or whatever it was. Anyway, um, game six. And, and, and the guy goes, oh, I have a personal Wi-Fi hotspot in my car. What? And I just was amazed that when God gave a peace, he also provided the path and everything along the way, more than I could ever imagine or desire. And God um, was so cool. So in that whole process, I came home last Wednesday at about 2.33 in the afternoon and was able to watch that final game with my family and enjoy something so historic. Now you're kind of thinking, okay, so um, that's your story. That's a story of a whole lot of people who had grandparents and uncles and aunts because you know, it was a family kind of thing. And when they, you kept thinking, could they go all the way? Could they do this? And, and then they did. What you have to keep in perspective for people that was 108 years of waiting. So I want you to experience what 108 years is like. Show, if you would, kind of the, that's 108 years ago. Or I have a couple of different slides. That's the team. Um, that's the kind of planes we flew in. How many, how many remember not having a cell phone? How many remember a phone that had a, a cord to it? How many remember getting a cablegram? That's how you could communicate. Um, is that all? I think that's all the pictures we have. Yeah. So that was 108 years ago. So you kind of go to yourself, wow, 108 years hoping to win the World Series. Always every year, it seemed like around maybe July, even August sometimes, you would start saying as a Cub fan, these two famous words of hope next year. 
maybe next year. Sometimes we were actually saying that in June, like you twin fans have been saying, <laughs> right? Now, a few of you can really relate to this because all you have to think about is the Vikings. How many are Viking fans here? Okay, you know, do you, you have the same thing going on. You, you know, and I'm a Viking fan. And you think back to the 70 of the purple people eaters, right? And that was, the, you know, they went to the, they couldn't ever go all the way. And then all of a sudden, you start thinking about the Denny Green, Chris Carter, and Randy Moss era, and you think there's a possibility, and then there's a missed field goal, and your heart breaks. And then you think of the almost making it years of Brett Favre, right? When he plays New Orleans and he passes across the green and he gets intercepted, and you go, oh, and everyone lives with this hope of maybe, maybe, Next year, it just isn't our day. And after years of wanting and waiting, the Cubs finally released a song by Eddie Vedder, this guy who plays for Pearl Jam, who's a big Cub fan. And it's this emotional celebration video called All the Way, and it captures a bit of the spirit. I'm just going to play a bit of it, because then we're going to actually, I promise you, move into the message, okay? And it will connect in some way, if we can do that. I don't know if you can, um, I know they're teeing this up, and they said to talk a minute. So if you can hit that. Great. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game For I've seen other teams and it's never the same When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're healed First time you walk into Wrigley Field Our heroes wear pinstripes, heroes in blue Give us the chance to feel like heroes too Forever we'll win and if we should lose We know someday we'll go all the way Yeah, someday we'll go all the way We are one with the Cubs, with the Cubs we're in love Yeah, hold our head high as the underdogs We are not fair weather, but foul weather fans Like brothers in arms in the streets and the stands There's magic in the ivy in the old scoreboard The same when I stared at as a kid keeping score In a world full of greed I could never want more And someday we'll go out of I thought this was the shorter version. Okay. Um, it ends with this. It, you, you can keep it up without the words on. But it ends with this, this, little phrase, this little phrase at the very end that says, This is your day. This is your day. 
Um, what you don't realize is that five years ago when the owner, um, Ricketts, and then they brought on a guy, Theo Epstein, who's the head of baseball there, and then they brought on a manager, Madden, and then they developed the farm system. Five years ago, what happened today started. And if you can capture, in a sense, the essence of this, you'll begin to understand exactly what the New Testament means when it says this simple expression, the gospel, which means good news to a whole group of people who are waiting and waiting and waiting and wanting and wanting and wanting the rule of God to show up. Luke 2, verses 8 through 11. Listen to these words. Here are good news to people. Here's the gist of it. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now catch this. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, In the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Catch those words today. Here's here's what the angel says. The gospel, good news. It's, It's good news. I want you all to be aware of it who have been waiting and wanting. This is good news. Today, one has been born. The messenger, the angel, that's what angel means in Greek. It says, this is your day. And to understand this, you have to understand that they've been hoping and waiting and longing, crying and suffering for years and years and years. And not just 108 years, because we look at those things, you see some horses, a weird plane, uh, some um, weird outfits that they're wearing. But for 400 years, God was silent. If you read the book of Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament, and you see in that prophet's words, he ends with chapter 4, the very last chapter in the Old Testament, and it begins with these words in verse 1, surely the day is coming. And then he just goes quiet. And they have 400 years of losing seasons. But you think 400 years is a lot. That really was nothing, because actually it goes back a thousand years. You go back a thousand years in the nation of Israel. In the time of David, David was, was almost there. The, God's kingdom was being set up, and through Solomon, all this was taking place, and it looked like it could be. It could be the day that God would set up his rule. And in that day, he would set up his rule, and, and they saw this physical um, development of the kingdom throughout the then-known world. It extended to quite a distance And yet they also saw it divide and fall apart and they kept hoping in their hearts. That was a thousand years they had waited. But even goes back further than that. Because in 2,000 years before that, the people of God had been waiting. There's a man, his name was Abraham. And Abraham, God came to Abraham and God said to Abraham, guess what, I'm going to bless you and through you, I'm going to bless all the nations of the world. There will come a time when I will come and every person in this world will be able to stand under my blessing. And what I find is really interesting about that is he says to Abraham, here, here's what it's going to look like. Look up at the stars, all the stars you can see. You'll have more descendants than that. Those who believe in faith, who trust in, 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 the, in God the way that, that you do, you will have more than that. Look at the sands uh, uh, along the, uh, you know, he, he's in, in the Middle East, right? In these desert areas. Look at all the sand. More than that sand are the descendants who will come from you. And David and Abraham waits. 
You know how long he had to wait for his own child? He was 100 years old and his wife 99. Far past, as we're told in Romans, the, the, the age of bearing. And I think he used as an example the kind of weight that the people of God were going to be under. But it wasn't just 2,000 years. You go back to the beginning of mankind. Go back to Adam and Eve. There is a time when you go back to the beginning of the story and here's Adam and Eve and, and, and they have been given this incredible garden and they fall, they sin. And as a result of the sin, this serpent comes and brings a curse on all the people. And the curse begins then, thousands of years. And in that, God comes to him and gives a promise. He says, a day will come when one of your own seed will come and take this devil, Satan, your enemy, the serpent, who has bitten your heel, but you will actually crush its head. This one who comes will crush its head. Now, you have to understand that biting the heel, you kind of go, well, what's the big deal about biting the heel? You see, in that day, when they were in, you know, in, in order to travel, in order to get anywhere, if they were in a battle, if you would in any way sever the tendon, that Achilles tendon, you were, you were out of it. It was like impending death. You were soon, because of that being disabled, um, in a sense, it was certain death. And he says, in the midst of certain death, one will come who, as your heel has been struck and everything looks like it will just not happen, one will come and will crush the head of the serpent who has bit and infected and created impending doom on all people. And then God comes and makes this announcement. He says, this is for all your kids and your parents and grandparents and all the generations of you who have been waiting and wanting. It's not some cub game of 108 years, which is just a silly little sport, right? This is your and mine and people's ability to know God and to live with God, to be intimate with him, to know salvation. That's not just for eternity, but it's even now in your life. Heaven, here and now. God's rule living in you. And so the angel says to him, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. Here's, here's the essence of the gospel that will be, cause great joy for all people today in the town of David. This one who you have been wanting and waiting has come and has been born to you. Jesus is here. This is your day. If you listen to Jesus' very first sermon, he reiterates this. Listen to Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. Jesus comes into the town of Nazareth, his own hometown, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And so let me just share a little, as was his custom, if you want to underline that. There's something very important that Jesus models for us about being together and worshiping and gathering on a habitual, regular basis. So it says that right in Scripture, as was his custom, he stood up and read the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it's written. Now catch what he says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. The word anointing is, you know, kind of, what does that mean? It means he, you, he was pour, you'd take oil and you'd pour it over the person's shoulders. It was the idea that he was so dripping wet with the Holy Spirit. He's anointed me with the Holy Spirit, just 
flowing through me to proclaim good news to the poor. And he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord. But you see that? To proclaim the gospel, the good news. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, here's the good news, here's the gospel. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Good news, I have an announcement. This is your day. And Jesus taught that this good news, the kingdom is here. And he he said it throughout his ministry. Look at Luke chapter 4, verses 40 through 43. At sunset, people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of of sickness and laying hands on each of them, he healed them. And, And demons came out of people shouting, you are the son of God, but he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because he knew, because they knew he was the Messiah. Now catch this, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place and the people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving. They said, Jesus, you're doing this incredible work. You're healing people. The whole town is coming. Let's just set up this healing center. And Jesus says this to him, I must announce. This is not good news. He's saying, I must proclaim this news, the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God, the rule of God, that God has now come and he's setting up his kingdom. I must proclaim it to the other towns also because that is why I was sent. And then Luke 8, 1, he says again, I'm just going through Luke. Jesus traveled about one town and village to another, proclaiming, announcing the good news of the kingdom of God. The good news, the works, he says, I do reveal the kingdom of God. Listen to Luke eleven fourteen through 20. Jesus is driving out demons. One guy was a mute. And when the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke. And the crowd was amazed that this guy could speak, that Jesus would heal him. But some of them said, by Beelzebul. This prince of demons, he's driving out demons. And Beelzebul, basically, you remember the book Lord of the Flies? That's what that name, may, that name means. And the reason it's called Lord of the Flies, you think of the dung and how you think of manure and things like manure and things like that, how flies just gather around. That's what he called them, Beelzebul. That's who you are. You're this, and he goes, and Christ tested them by asking, and the others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. Look at verse 37. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fail. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? So if I'm coming from that kingdom, something's messed up here. But then he says, but if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. There is a sense, I want you to understand this, that um, when looking at that analogy and I, you know, of, of, the, of the Cubs and that illustration, the day that person, Theo Epstein, came to that five years ago and began five years ago, there was a sense there was good news. The culture began to change with the hirings of, of these young baseball stars in the farm system and through all the different ones. They were setting up a new regime. There is a sense, what Jesus is saying here, is when you start seeing the these things, I have been, you know, as the angel said, this one has been born among you. He's bringing the kingdom, and the kingdom is going to show its fullness. And you see it in these little acts of God, in the miracles in his life. But at one point, it won't be just his finger, but his arm is going to sweep through and do something so incredible that no one could ever believe it. And that is that he would die on a cross and he'd be resurrected again. He would come to forgive your sins. 
And he would give you power to live today, not just looking for eternity someday. And I have to share with you, it's real easy as you grow older and as you see your parents and people you love go to heaven, there's almost a sense of, I just can't wait myself to get there. And the reality of heaven becomes really strong. You may be younger and you're kind of going, I got my life ahead of me. I don't want to just have Jesus for heaven someday. And you don't. The whole meaning of the gospel, the good news, is that you get Jesus today. And this Jesus, who you have been waiting and wanting and longing for, is with you. And as you allow his life to fill you, he gives you the power to live out his life. And he will work in and through you, not just to forgive your sins, but to give you the ability to live the kind of life of joy and peace and patience, and kindness, and goodness, so that you can be like him and become, like Phil said, a citizen in every way. And so you see Jesus, as he, because he, can't you see it? With all these little winds, the finger of God, the evidence of God's presence is in and through me. With each surrender of evil spirits, you will see that there will be the surrender of all evil someday. And he tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 6, Paul says, Brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel, the good news I preached to you, you received, and which you've taken your stand. And by this good news, you're saved. And what is it? That Jesus died for our sins according to scriptures, who was buried, and then on the third day was raised according to scriptures, and that he appeared. This Jesus, the angels announce and say, good news, the kingdom is being set. Can't you see what God's going to do comes in the fullness of it comes in his death and resurrection. And he says, today, this is your day. Now, what's really cool about this is um, the other day I watched a parade of five million people, the seventh greatest, largest, you know, largest gathering of people um, down in Chicago for a silly sports event. Right? But you know what the Bible has to say? According to this, that the resurrection, the giving of the Holy Spirit, there's going to be this day that's coming. We're going to have this huge parade. It's going to be a lot more than five million people. There is a parade that's coming. When Jesus returns, he's going to bring all of us together with him. And this is the whole message of the gospel. From beginning to end, of people who've been waiting and wanting and looking and hoping and suffering and working through things. And then a day comes and, and, and Jesus appears and the kingdom is here with him and it's present in him and through him. And the fullness of it comes when he dies and resurrects so there's forgiveness and the power of God to live this life which he gives his Holy Spirit. And someday, there will be a time when this will all come to an end and he will wipe away every tear and all sadness will be gone and all the sin that we think of will be washed away and death itself will be conquered and there will be life forevermore. Does that give you a taste of what people are waiting and wanting for? And so I just want to share with you three practical things. And, and, and if you look at Psalm 37, it's a psalm of, of David's where he's waiting and wanting for God to come and to fulfill his word. Because God came to him through a prophet Samuel and said, David, you're going to be the next king. And then David goes and he sees Goliath being slayed and then he runs away because Saul, who is the king, chases him out of there and he's in the wilderness. He's waiting and he's wanting and he writes this psalm that someday God's going to come. 
And in Psalm 37, I just, here's what I want you, if you are one of those waiting and wanting persons, I just think, is there something in your heart and your life where you're going, God, I'm waiting and I'm wanting for you to work in this way. And some of you, um, there's no one 108, so none of you waited that long. But some of you have waited a few months, maybe a couple years. Maybe you've waited three, four years, maybe 15 years. Listen to these words in 37 verse 4. David says, just prior to that, in verse 3, don't fret. I don't want you to worry. I don't want you to be anxious. Trust in the Lord and do good. And then verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. On the basis of what we have seen in the gospel, I just call you to pray with confidence. Complete confidence. The good news is this, that your day is here. Jesus has come, and with Jesus coming, he has said that the desires that you, as you delight in the Lord, as you put your heart into his heart, he says those desires in your heart. And and the way I wrote this as I was thinking about this is, our loving Father will give to us and fulfill through us every good desire that flows from our heart for ourselves, others, and his glory. Every desire that is to bring honor to him, will be fulfilled. So the thing you have to ask is, God, am I desiring something that's good? And as you begin to pray through that, you say, God, you have told me in your word, I can pray with confidence. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will begin to work out the desires. Now, not me be exactly the way you envision it happening, but that desire deep within, he promises to fulfill. Another thing I just encourage you is to recommit with passion. The things that God may call you to do. I love these words. He says, trust and do good. That's such a cool thing because what he's saying is, you know, in the midst of your walk right now, there's something you can do. It's not only you can pray with confidence, but start doing good. Whenever it's possible, just do good. Because you know that your God is good to you. And just respond by doing what is good. I was... um. As I was watching that game, there was a time in the ninth inning when the, the Cubs were up and then the other team scored. And it looked like it was over and then there was a rain delay. Remember anybody, if you saw, if you saw the game, there's a rain delay. And what does not happen in baseball is there is never a time for a timeout. Football, soccer, hockey, basketball, all the rest, they can always time out and huddle people together. But because of the rain delay, one of the players who's had a horrible season brings everybody together, brings them into a room, and he basically says, guys, settle down. We're a really good team. I just want you to relax and go out and have fun and just play well. There is a sense, and I've, as I've been kind of processing this as a church, I almost have a sense we, you know, people are kind of, I've, I know, I hear the, you know, the people talking. People are saying, what's God doing? What's God doing? I almost have a sense that God is saying, I want you to stop. I was talking to um, one of our elders, and he was saying the same thing. I almost have the sense that God is saying, let's just stop and pray and listen to God and say, God, in this place where we're at right now, What is it you're calling us to do? You have blessed us. You have provided for us. You have been good to us. What is your next step? So I just, I encourage you and recommit to, um, to, to what God is doing with passion. 
And, and the last I just encourage you is um, to share with excitement what God's out and what he's about doing. You know, there's um, there's a great line, and in, in anybody ever seen the play, The Amazing Dream Color, that coat um, of Joseph? What's it again? The Amazing Technicolor, whatever. At one point he goes, Joseph, there's, there's singing to Joseph, he goes, guess what? Don't worry, I, I've read the book and I know you come out on top. Guys, we've read the book. I don't know what's going on in life. But the word of God says, I know you come out on top. I'm going to ask you just to bow your head and just take a few moments to um, just bring your own, whatever that waiting or wanting, if you're discouraged or if you're disappointed, whatever it is, I'm going to ask you just to take a moment. And as, as Mary kind of plays this song, I'm going to ask you to just bring that before the Lord. And I'm going to encourage you to pray with confidence. Because God knows your desires. I'm going to ask you to recommit with a deep passion, saying, God, no matter what my feelings are saying or the circumstances I see around me, I'm I'm going to live for you and do good. I'm going to trust it that you have my future in your hands. You have tomorrow. You have this day. And in faith, I'm going to share with excitement. It may be really hard to do that, but I'm going to share with excitement because I know that Jesus has come. I know that he's died. I know he's been resurrected. I know he's given me his Holy Spirit. And I'm going to, with excitement, tell people there is this God who saves and delivers and I live with him I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to say together this Lord's Prayer I'm going to read some scripture and then I'm going to ask you to say these lines as you see them come up on the screen We're told in John 8 that when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I stand with the Father who sent me. And they asked him, where is your Father? You do not know me or my Father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. And we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward as we take the caring fund. With your head bowed, I just want to, I know that we're coming into a really critical week and people have been praying and the churches and all have been praying about this whole election. I just want you to remember that when we prayed that prayer, he says, our Father. We don't have some person that we don't know that we can't trust. It's our Father who is on the throne. And praise God, whoever will rule in our land, it could only be for four years if we only want that. 
So we come before you, Father, and we ask that you would be working in and through us as a nation. We pray that you would select and place in leadership the person that you want to do the things you want, because we know that you can do all that is good, that we know that, God, you are the one who controls all of this. And so, God, we submit ourselves to you, and we trust you, and we desire to do good, and we pray with confidence, and we share with excitement that our God reigns. And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen.